It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. CO Round Rock. We are the Horn. The Horn. This hour of the Sports Complex is brought to you by Viking Fence. Guests on the Horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Big show today. Talking about Texas surviving against Houston. Not what you wanted to see, but it happened. Texas wins 31-24 over Houston on Saturday. Big Game 7 happening. Rangers versus Astros. Winner goes to the World Series. Loser goes home. We'll talk some more about that and give you up to the Rangers. Pre-game at 6.30 right here on the Horn. We'll have some sound from Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. Coming up here at 5.30 in the 5.30 segment, we'll play you some of that as well. Uh, Some NFL talk gets you ready for some Monday night football that's going to be coming up tonight too, which coaches are on the hot seat after six weeks of the NFL. Get you all that, and of course your text, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. You guys driving the show, we just try to keep it on the rails I know you probably probably have a lot to talk about today. You probably have a lot on your mind. I know I was annoying some people that I was watching the game with on Saturday because the game was not going way. Started off going great. I was doing pregame with Rob Babers at uh, at Docs, and thanks to everybody who came out there and the, the good people at Docs. I uh, had a blast doing the pregame show on uh, on Saturday out there. We did it up to three o'clock. So then I left. Was listening to the game. Uh, checked out. And by the time I get there, Texas is already up twenty-one to zero. By the time I get to where I'm going to watch, and I think, okay, Texas, we're up. Uh, you're feeling pretty good about it, and then just straight downhill. So maybe it was my fault for not, you know, staying at Docs or watching it at the house or, you know, any of the other options I could have had. <laughs> maybe it was that. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, not the game that people wanted to see. Thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, Quinn Ewers getting injured. Uh, luckily, not season-ending, but it is something that you're going to have to deal with for the next few weeks. Uh, a lot going on for Texas, for this Texas team. Uh, as you try and go forward, as we talked about all last week, there's six games left. Now there's five games left. You have to win out 
but you'd like to get some style points. You'd like to believe that this is a team that can compete at a higher level, and that's not really what it looked like on Saturday. This wasn't a team. This was a team that could win the Big 12, for sure. You could win the Big 12 championship because the Big 12 looks kind of down, and the Big 12 kind of beats each other up. So you could believe you could beat that, but it doesn't necessarily look like a team that you think could compete on a higher level. It does not look like the same team that went and beat an Alabama team that they're still ranked ahead because, you know, it, look, and, and I'll tell you this. Before we get started, there's a lot of negatives we can get into today. There's a lot of negatives we'll kind of talk about and what we'll try and walk through them, but I want to keep this show somewhat more on the positive side because there is still positives. Texas is still, is still a one-loss team. Texas is still the number one ranked one-loss team in the country. So the pollsters would tell you that that loss wasn't as, or that win wasn't as bad as we Texas fans kind of put it out to because as Texas fans, we are looking at that win and thinking, man, that was ugly. That was not what anybody wanted to see. But at the same point, uh, I think that you have to take this Texas win, uh, you know, with a grain of salt. Understand you did get the win. Understand there's learning experiences out of it. You prefer to be done with that. We thought in year three, some of those would have been figured out. Uh, but it is, it, it's not the best the best thing in the world. And the Quinn Ewers injury, uh, Ethan Burke is, is hurt. We know we saw Ryan Watts kind of came back, but didn't play a lot in that game. Uh, Jalen Catalan is still out there dealing with those injuries. Jake Majors had an okay game in that. Uh, but yeah, there's there were some issues. Uh, Sark spoke to the media today. And, you know, trying to keep it up, trying to point that there is a future. There is, this is the still the number, the best ranked at number seven, one lost team in the country. We know that whoever loses Michigan, Ohio State, will probably be the number one one-loss team after that game happens. Uh, there will be some games where teams play, and you know Washington uh, stays undefeated. They they're still ahead. There, there's difference. There's there's things where there there is still a path. Let's put it this way: there's still a path to college football playoff. The problem with Texas is you're wondering can they play up to that level? Is this going to be a problem that every week you're going to play down to your opponent? And and let them back into games even when you started out twenty one to zero. What happened to where you can play so well to start, and then everything seems to keep falling apart, and then you know you can say whether what you believe that call was if he got the first down or not on that fourth down. That doesn't mean you don't lose if a team gets a first down. So there was still a lot of work that Houston would have to do to win that game. Uh, but I will say that it is there's there is positives that come out of this. That Texas is still a one-loss team. They are still not. They have. They did not fall down. They didn't. They were able to close out the game. Whereas last year, this may have been a team that you know when things started to go bad at the beginning of the second, at the end of the second, the first half, that they wouldn't have basically played a pretty even game with with Houston in the second half. It didn't look that way. The the if you look at all the numbers and you look at you know. What happened in the game, it doesn't feel like it was as even as it was in the second half, but it was kind of even in the second half. You want to be able to beat them in the second half because you you beat them in the first, you know, in the first 20 minutes of the game, and then you lost this, the, this, the, the end of the, fir- the first half. You lost that pretty badly. You make a bad play, which Sark admits. The fake field goal is a bad play. He admits it. He would, you know, he wouldn't do that again. I prefer him having to stop admitting every week fourth down calls that he wish he has backed. You know, that's not something you like to see. You don't like to see him say that the red zone's looking better, but to play at, you know, that when you got to the 30-yard line, 
you complete your offense completely stalled on that drive where they did the fake field goal that they were moving the ball pretty well and then they ran the ball twice didn't get you know picked up three yards uh and then had an incomplete pass i believe and that was the and then all of a sudden you do that fake field goal on which all of the or you had a complete pass but it was free yard uh i think there was too much playing for fourth down on third down which you don't want to see i get you can do that but I'd like to see you try and play on first and second down like it's not all four-down territory. There's all of that. And the play calling, it just didn't seem right. For either side of the ball, Sark or PK, the play calling didn't seem good. It seemed that Houston was able to make adjustments that Texas was not able to make. But all that being said, you're still the number seven team in the country. You still have all the opportunity to go ahead and keep winning, win the Big 12 championship, and see where that puts you. Sark spoke to the media today. Here's his opening statement uh, talking about that Houston game and giving a little bit of a recap uh, of what he saw. And and he comes out somewhat positive, which, you know, I'm not sure everybody enjoys when a coach comes out positive. I know it's a win, but uh, it wasn't one that uh, the way fans would have liked. You know, I think the first thing when I, when I go back and watch the tape of the game was something I've been kind of leaning on since camp that is showing up. We got a really versatile football team. And that, that the idea that, that we can win games a lot of different ways and, um, you know, that the fact that we're not one-dimensional, that when if that one thing doesn't work, what do you do next, whether that's offense, defense, special teams. And I thought this game uh, definitely showed that. Our versatility, I thought, really shined through. I thought this, the, our culture shined through in this game too. Um, I thought the, the togetherness of the team, uh, the ability to, to, to keep their poise and composure showed up in one specific instance, but I think overall, um, I think the perseverance, the mental toughness, all those things we touched on after the game uh, definitely showed up. And I think the things that we emphasized in the bye week showed up. Uh, I thought obviously red zone offense was critical, um, and, and I thought we, we executed well there. I thought our ability to create turnovers, we've been harping on it, and how, how big were those two turnovers, the Jalen Ford uh, sack fumble, the interception by Taft, in the end zone were big. So to win the turnover margin two to nothing um, after not had taken care of it great the week before w- was really big. And then our return game, uh, just two massive kick returns by, by Keelan Robinson and, and really done really well done by that unit um, was big. And I thought we were close on a couple punt returns. So I think that aspect of the game is starting to grow and, and get better for us. So um, that, that was really positive. It's a pretty uh, optimistic look. Pretty pretty happy look at what that was. I like like the special teams. You can say that was great. It's you know we called a fake play and it didn't. We you know fake field goal it didn't work. Also there was a uh, I believe a kick return uh, that was going to go to the house without a face mask. But you know you got you got the stop. You got it. You win the game. Uh, you know it, it's just the disappointing part of you don't want to see Sark look like he looked for play calling. By the end of this first half, and then coming out of the locker room, how his face looked, how he how he looked like he wasn't sure what he was seeing. And I'll play you something about you know Rod talks about it all the time the three high, three down defense, and how Sark needs to figure out. I don't know why he continues to believe that teams aren't going to pull this out, even though they haven't shown it. We know every team at some point before you play Texas is going to practice this, unless you're Oklahoma or unless you're uh, you know Alabama or unless you're one of those teams that feels like they can beat you one on one and straight up. These teams that need a little bit more help are going to go at it. But you had the game plan. The script worked. You get into it, and and I think, you know, you saw him start to call the game a little bit better when he got all the tricks out of his bag, and it went to Malik Murphy, and he had to just be a little bit smarter about it. And we saw the first pass from Malik Murphy, and, 
you know, he's got some zip on it. It came out fast. He's just a little bit behind Mitchell. And, uh, I look, I don't think that ball was getting picked off. I can say that much. But, uh, it, it, you know, you saw, you know, maybe he needed, you know, run the ball a little bit more, give him passes he can complete that are a little bit easier and not try and rocket it downfield. Even though he's got the arm for it, it's going to take a little bit more to get that rapport up because he, ne- he doesn't necessarily practice with the ones as much. Uh, of course, the big news, though, is, is Quinn Ewers going down. Uh, injuries across this team are starting to mount up for Texas, as you knew they might. In any season, you know, you kind of try and stay healthy. Luckily, none of these seem to be season-ending. You keep uh, seeing injuries where the guys are going to be able to bat back. Here's Sark uh, talking about the injuries uh, for Texas going into a week with BYU. You know, from an injury standpoint, you know, Quinn uh, and Ethan Burke will both be week-to-week at this point. You know, you never, we never really know exactly how bodies respond um, to injury. Um, and so we're just going to have to monitor these guys on a weekly basis. Uh, obviously, we're going to do everything in our power to get both those guys back um, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And obviously, Catalan's kind of in that same, in that same breath. Okay? So those are the three guys there. Everybody else is, uh, has been really good. And- so if you say, okay, this Texas team, now you just got to get through a few more weeks. You got to get through five more weeks, start to get healthy again, get back into the flow, get to where you want to be it doesn't really come down to the players as much for me. Because I think the players, other than on the defense, we can get to that. We'll get to that today. We'll get talk about that more tomorrow, too. Uh, but the defense, yes, there is issues in the secondary. And even a guy like Michael Taff, who you know has a big interception in that game and makes some big plays, leads the team in tackles. How often do you get a walk-on that gets a scholarship that in leads the team in tackles in a game? Uh, you know, But that's also because they didn't run the ball. So everything was going through there, and they were trying to attack him. They went after Michael Taff in that game because they understood that he was a slower uh, defensive back, and some of those injuries have been to some of your faster defensive backs. And so as you keep slowing it down, Jade Barron is going to step up more and more. And, and Sark talked a little bit about that, and we can play that sound a little bit. But you're going to have to have these defensive players step up, and you have to understand and start scheming as if you what your defense actually is. We played it with Jerry. Jerry Jones sound. If, you know, if, uh, if something tells you what it is, don't uh, dream it's going to be something else. And I feel like this defense in the Sark play calling and, and PK play calling and game planning defensively continues to game plan as if teams are not going to try and exploit the speed of their defensive backs and their safeties. They're going to continue to game plan to go after those guys. And if Michael Taft's in the game, he has a great, a great uh, football IQ. He can go out there and do a lot of things, but he's going to get blown past when you put top receivers, which Houston has three of, they're going to be able to blow past him. And that's what you saw in Houston. They put up uh, you know, over 400 passing yards because they were able to continually put the ball downfield and on speed and get speed on top. And, and, and you know, Sark talked about uh, that as well, the crossing passes, and, and kind of that was one of the things that was a huge conversation afterwards. How are you not guarding that? And the reality is those are plays that, you know, once, once you realize that the, the, they're going to let you play, you know, that there may have not been a lot of holes called on your side, and they may have not been calling bumping and pass interference. There was a lot of those plays that were just going to kind of get called through that you were allowed to run those crossing routes and, you know, try and bunch everybody up and cause confusion. Because, you know, even if you don't get that bump, you're hoping to cause confusion uh, in this secondary that has been a problem for Texas this year is causing confusion. Here's Sark talking about uh, the trouble that they had with those crossing routes against Houston that they pretty much kept using over and over and over again and just moving down the field on Texas. 
The crossing routes, you know, I think in twofold hurt us. Anytime you call crossers and you're in man coverage, it's difficult when they're picking the guy that's, that's guarding the man that's catching the ball. Um, and to their credit, they did a heck of a job picking us. You know, they didn't get called for it, so you can't complain that, that, it, that that's what was happening. Um, but it's, it's pretty obvious that, if, you know, when picks occur, and we got picked a couple times, and that, it created, that created a problem. We had one where it was poor communication. Um, we didn't cover it properly. And one, we were in zone. And when you're in zone, that's when you really got to be able to shut those crossers down and match those routes. So I think there was th levels to it. Um, but, but inevitably, we're going to have to play it better because we're going to see a ton of crossers this week. That's one of the staples of, of what BYU does. So we're going to have to play it better. So I think that going into this week, and I know we've had in the text, and I know I'm going to get to you guys in a minute, 512 447 3776. Uh, I know that one of the big factors that a lot of people have been fighting on is that that te that Houston we didn't need to play that Houston wasn't shouldn't have been a threat and Houston wasn't this team that should have been a big problem and Houston why are you worried about Houston why are you worried about Houston and you're worried about Houston because we saw what just happened but I think that there might have been some of that after a bye week after you know getting a little bit of break and getting healthy and you feel pretty good about yourselves. You know, and after a loss to OU, and you may, you know, be trying to just say, okay, well, we, you know, we're 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 right where we want to be, and we're better than Houston. We don't need to worry that much. We just need to go out and play our game plan. We need to play our game plan. You know, you get that wake up call, and now you can control what you need to control going into a week with BYU that you can't look past because BYU is five and two. BYU is a better football team than they looked at the very beginning of the season when they, when they had a little bit of struggles. They're looking better. BYU is a team that has given Texas plenty of problems throughout the years. Over and over again, Texas has had problems with BYU. So we know that Texas is going to have to get up for this game. We know that Texas will prepare for this game. Texas will go hard for this game. But you are going to have to control what you can control. You can't worry too much about the fact that there's going to be some people that are going to blame you and say that, you know, season's over because you only beat Houston by seven. There's going to be people that are going to claim that, you know, that should, you know, Sark shouldn't be the starting coach anymore or the, the, the head coach anymore because of his play calling and only winning by seven. And that, you know, it's good to Quinn because now you get Malik Murphy, which, look, I, there's positives to having Malik Murphy and there, there's positives of we're going to, as a fan, we get to see you know, how the offense looks different with a different quarterback, but I prefer to have the starting quarterback and prefer to have a guy that I do believe in some in, in Quinn Ewers. I, I don't know if he's a, you know, top quarterback in the in college football, but I think he's a good quarterback. We'll see what Malik Murphy is. You know, the grass is not always greener. You know that. So, uh, but here's Sark talking about today kind of what you can control if you're Texas, talking to his players after a game where you did get a win, but it isn't the win you wanted and how do you control this team to get them in the right mindset to go to, to play a home game now, to be able to play at home again, get back to where you want to be. It's been a while since they played a home game, getting back in front of their fans, get back to what they want to be doing, but then back to controlling the game, back to the way they were playing earlier in the season and the feel and everything of that. Here's Stark talking about controlling what Texas can control. Kind of in that same in that same breath. Okay, so those are the three guys there. Everybody else is uh, has been really good. And but but the point to all that is, just like moving forward in that game, guys had to step up. You know, Malik had to come in in that game, 
I thought he showed great poise and composure. Um, I know it became kind of a running game right there, but you know to handle that situation on the road, uh, I was really impressed with him. Obviously, Jade coming off the bench there in the second half, he stepped up. Uh, Savion Red stepped up in his role. Jamon Tapp had to step in when Ethan went down and, and Jet went down. So um, that that's the beauty of this team. That's the beauty of having depth. That's the beauty of, of having the, the ability to the next guy to step in and, and fill those shoes and to play good football. So that's a real positive force there. I, I think one of the keys for us um, is that we get some of the issues fixed uh, coming out of the game. Um, and I think that, again, our coaches will, will do that. I think that's a credit to our players. You know, in the team meeting this morning, in their position meetings, they were dialed in. They want to make sure that some of the issues that we had uh, do get rectified so that we play better football. Um, nobody wants to play better than they do. And so I think that's a credit to them that they'll do that. And I think one of the keys for us in, in moving forward is keeping the focus on us. And, you know, I've said this early on. And and I mean this, and I said the same thing to the team. The the opinions of others really don't matter. What we do does, and I think that that's extremely important um, as we go on to this stretch here in the second half of the season, um, where every game is a Big 12 championship game. You know, our ability to stay focused on us and what we need to do um, to play good football, to keep stacking wins, is of the utmost importance. Um, opinions really don't matter. You know, it's, we, we control what we can control, and I think our players understand that, and so I was really proud of them. I want to thank Longhorn Nation for showing up in Houston. It was an awesome turnout uh, Saturday. Uh, seeing the burn orange in the stands again on the road was huge, uh, but we can't be more excited to come back home. And that's it. you got to come back home next week. you got to deal with the positives, deal with the negatives, deal with everything that comes with it, but I want to stay more on the positive side. I want to you know, we know what the negatives are. We know what the struggles of this team has, you know, been for the past few weeks. We know where it's shown and, and what Sark needs to improve on. And, and I'm hoping he knows too. And we'll keep talking about it for the rest of the week as we get into BYU. We'll start to get into BYU talk uh, Wednesday, Thursday. But I want to ask you guys uh, about this game, about, you know, looking at the the positives of it. Pull, pull the mindset a little bit different. The Texas did win. Is the number seven team in the country, number one. One loss team rankings in the rankings. If so, if we have all of that going for us, what does Texas need to do to be positive? Let's figure out the the, the position groups of players. It takes us to big Patrick's big fat poll today. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Big fat poll of the day today. Five one two four four seven three seven seven six is the text line. What player? What position group? Scheme? Whatever? Like whatever thing you thought was the biggest positive for Texas against Houston. What was what was the thing you came away from the game and went, well, that was good. That what that what we did there, what Texas did there, that player played really well. Is it a Jade Barron? Is it is it a Michael Taff, even though he got burned that he came back and got that interception? He had some big plays, led the team in tackles. Is it, you know, was it uh, was Jonathan Brooks still having a pretty good game, even though they were trying not to and him being able to run the ball at the end? You know, was it able being able to finish a game? Getting a stop there at the end when you look like it wasn't, you know, as big of a game. Was it the opening script? Do we say, man, that opening script where you came out and went up 21-0? Is that the positive? Okay, we can keep that. Keep that thing in the game plan. Is it, you know, the 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 Big 12 package? The lining up with an extra offensive lineman? Is that package? Would that some that looked good? They were using it early. I don't know why they went away from it. All those things. Is it a wide receiver? You thought Xavier had a good... What, what do you think... 
What what for you? What position? What player group? Jody Barron had a decent game coming in. What for you was the best part of this game? And trying to trying to look at what what Texas has already, what there is in positives versus you know we know what to change because it's been the same things they need to change basically all all season. It's the same things they need to change. We talked about in the off season. We know those. So put those in. If you have any other, you know, the text line is always open for you to talk. We're going to get to those uh, when we come back. We'll get to some. We'll get to some uh, throughout the show. We'll keep going back to the text line. So 512-447-3776. Throw some positives in there. And I know if you have other stuff you want to talk about, if you got some concerns or, you know, you have a solution or a hot take, if you got something where you think Texas, this is what they need to do, if you have a, a game plan for Texas that they want, send that in. 512-447-3776 is the text line. We come back, we're going to play some sound from Hook Em Up uh, with Ian Robbie. Play it happens every morning right here, 6 to 11 on the horn, talking about uh, the numbers of Texas versus that three-high, three-down defense that Houston did not show until last week, and Sark again thought that someone wasn't going to do it, and then, of course, they did, and the script still worked against it, and then it just kind of went downhill after that. Get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. 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 They're playing basketball. Back on the sports complex on a Monday afternoon. The theme of the week, as you could guess, is basketball. NBA starts up tomorrow. We'll talk way more NBA tomorrow. We have a full show. We're off at 630 today for Game 7 of the ALCS between the Rangers and Astros. And in all reality, it's so cool. It's so cool that this series went 7. It's it's cool that there's been some heat in it. And, and you know, fans are like, this is an actual rivalry. It has not been for the entire time. And, and I feel like that's partly why the Rangers fans are so intense in it when they started. And I get, and I get Houston fans. I get that there is another side of Houston fans that's not that you know may not be the people I'm hanging out with that have been uh, a bit more vocal and maybe a little bit more on it and giving the Rangers fans some more flack. I, I personally haven't dealt with that as much, but uh, I know that both sides. I've seen both sides. There's some crazy people and and then a lot of people in it who are enjoying. And I've gotten a lot of texts today and. And people over there, we can be like, look, man, this is just a fun series. It's just cool to see a series go seven in the two Texas teams. And it's nice that I have someone to root for uh, in the World Series because you're going to be rooting for whoever wins this series tonight. Uh, Max Scherzer on the mound for the Rangers. 
Christian Javier on the mound for the Astros. Everyone is available. You know, it's always that thing. You know, Dusty Baker said today that Verlander uh, may not be fully available because, you know, it's basically seeing how he pitches today, but he's coming off of Tommy John and he pitched the other day. So, you know, I'm sure if it, if it went there, they would, but I don't know if that's the best pick either. You have a pretty steady bullpen pulling him out of the bullpen. It's only if you really need a long relief as you get further into it and then, you know, that's when you're talking extra innings. So you're hoping that it doesn't go to that, unless you're just a fan of baseball, and then maybe you are hoping for extra innings. Uh, Diamondbacks up right now, 3-1 to one on the Phillies in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, if that, if they the Diamondbacks win, they'll push that to a Game 7 as well. Game 7 is one of the best things in sports. 512-447-3776 is your uh, text line number. Text in. We're asking you today, what, posi- what player, what position group, what thing in the game made you uh, was a positive that you was the biggest positive for you for Texas against Houston. Uh, send that in to us five one two four four seven three seven seven six. If you had a hot take, if you got a game plan, uh, my man Pizza Dave, I appreciate you texting in and uh, and super pumped for Game Seven. What an incredible treat that this ASL, this ALS has been for for fans of both sides. Super pumped for Game Seven tonight. Exactly, it has been a really fun time uh, to be a fan of a Texas baseball team, and that has not been the case of this rivalry for the entire time that both teams have been in the American League since the Astros came over. So it's a very cool thing. Uh, we're going to get to more of your texts. I do want to play this sound from uh, Hookup Up this morning on uh, E and Rob B. And then we'll start to get into your text, start to answer to you guys and and get to your hot takes and get to your you know opinions of what the game was. And I know some of them are going to be more negative. Uh, some of them are going to be uh, more critical. That's fine. If you got to get that off your chest, you want to send that in. I'll, I'll respond to those and we'll talk about those. Uh, if it's more positive, you got that. If you just got to, if you have something that you think Texas needs to do or Sark needs to do, or that they, that this is what's going to help them get to that next point, that you don't understand why they haven't already done it, like throwing to Jordan Whittington more. I think that's one we can all throw in. We'd like to see Jay Wade get some more targets uh, when things look like they're kind of uh, rallying against and, and, and they're go- doubling Xavier Worthy and they're doubling uh, Mitchell. You'd like to see Weddington get the ball more. Here's uh, Ian Robbie, though, talking about the three high, three down uh, def- defense that uh, Houston pulled out against Texas that a lot of teams have pulled out and uh, what Texas can kind of do to fight against it going forward and knowing that five out of the, there's five more games and they may see it five more times. All right, welcome back. Um, now, we've talked about this. A lot, actually. Uh, you guys have heard me uh, talk about the three-high, three-down defense for a long time and how it fits. It matches up really well with Sark's offense. And one of the things that U of H did, give them a lot of credit, uh, they have not been a team that majors or minors in the three-high defense, um, and they decided they were breaking out a lot of it versus Texas. Now, Texas actually had some success versus the three-high, but notoriously Sark's offenses, and I've been tracking them even prior to this season, and this season Wyoming was a team that ran a lot of three-high, three-down. Oklahoma could do it, but Oklahoma didn't. They didn't throw it out there a lot uh, versus Texas, um, so that's not something that they did, but it is in the repertoire of one Brent Venables. But the teams on the schedule that specialize in it, that major in it, your K-States, your TCUs, your Iowa States, those are still – you know, yet on the schedule. So that is is a concern that they match up so well. At least that specific scheme matches up so well with Sark's offense. Uh, and U of H, they used it early and often. And Sark was actually, in Texas, was move, they moved the ball, and they were actually scoring against 
that three high look until they adjusted, um, as E mentioned, and they started bracketing the wide receivers on the outside in that three high and then started doing some other things in Texas, couldn't run the ball consistently, and then the offense hit a wall until they were able to close the game out late with the run game. So I went back and and crunched the numbers, and I'll I'll update them, but this is prior to the season starting. Um, If you go look at third down conversion percentage, Passing yards, um, you go look at yards per attempt, um, all of those in points, of course, points as well. You go look at all of those categories. The Texas offense under Steve Sarkeesian scores fewer points, uh, lower yards per attempt, uh, lower passing yards per game or fewer passing yards per game, and also uh, conversion percentage on third down drops too when Sark plays a defense that majors or minors in the three high three down defense. Um, and you're at almost nine fewer points per game, actually. Now, this is prior to this season. You're at out close to nine fewer points per game on average when you play a team that majors or minors in the three high defense. That is a big difference. And U of H just smart. It was smarter than to bring it out. I did my football theory uh, on Texas show with my man Ian Boyd, and I brought it up before the game, and I brought it up with you guys and said, well, you, you know, you got to throw t- something at Texas they haven't seen, and if they hadn't seen the three high, a three down defense from you, you might want to break it out because it works really well against Sark and U of H. They broke it out. So good, give it up for Doug Belk. It's a smart game plan by him. But here's the thing, the intriguing thing. First of all, Sark said – you know, uh, they, they showed them something uh, on, you know, on Saturday they hadn't seen on film and hadn't prepared for. Usually when that's the case, because it was the case for Oklahoma game, it was the case for the Rice and the Wyoming game, Texas starts slow. But they didn't start slow in this game. All right? They actually started fast. And then, the, the, then their offense hit a wall, and he said it's because they started to bracket the wide receivers. And that's a good point. But you still should have been able to run the football then effectively. That's the key. If they're bracketing wide receivers, then that means they're not winning the numbers advantage in the box. And this is the key to the three high, three down, right? This is why it's Sark's kryptonite. It turns, uh, you know, Sark into kind of Steven. <laughs> Sark turns into Coach Steven because essentially the three high, it is uh, the truth that tells a lie, right? It, especially if you're running RPO offenses and you're counting the numbers in the box, because the three high, three down defense is so malleable, it can distort your pre-snap read if you're the quarterback, meaning you'll hand the ball off when you think you have the numbers advantage in the box, but you actually don't. You'll throw the ball when you believe, oh, man, they had the numbers advantage in the box, but actually they don't. They had it in the passing game, so it distorts the pre-snap read, and I think that's why you had a Quinn Ewers decide, I'm just going to check it down. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, so I'll check it down because it, it, it forces him – um, it, it really changes his, his, his pre-snap read, whether it's a RPO or whether it's actually a drop-back pass, um, and forces him to go through progressions and read the defense and less, less predetermined throws. That's why I think the, the script was working so well because a lot of the script for Sark are predetermined throws already. Once he's off script, then he's got to read the defense. Yeah. He's got to go through his progression, and I think he was uncomfortable doing that against the three high the three they were running the three high even on the first series but sark was i think had a lot of predetermined throws within the script and he was also something else throw out there he was running a lot of the six o line package yep he was running a lot of it and my research shows me based off last year texas was averaging over six and a half yards per rush 
against against teams last season in the th- in the three high three down when they ran their six O line package big eleven big twelve. I think Sark knows this. I think that's why he br- part of the reason he brought in Paul Chris. I think he wants to double down on it. And in that game, e it was th- the first. Two touchdowns were out of the 6-0 line package. <laughs> you were averaging over 17 yards per attempt uh, in the game in the first half out of the 6-0 line package, and they were averaging over 5 yards per rush, over 9 yards per play. Um, and I think and then the second half, you only saw it twice. Now, I, I, don't, I think Sark, I don't know, in the second half, I don't know why he only threw it out there twice. I have no idea. Maybe the, it wasn't working because you can't throw, if you can't throw out of it, then maybe it loses its, you know, multi-dimensional uh, threat, uh, multi-dimensional aspect where, hey, man, if they decide to, to, to match your numbers in the run game, you have favorable numbers on the outside or favorable matchups on the outside. I'm not sure exactly why. I got to go watch more film on it. Um, but he stopped running it in the second half. Only two plays. He had, um, in the first half, I believe they had 15 plays of it. So, But as I said, even the research I did last season – it showed you that Sark's offenses actually could run the ball really effectively in the Big 11, Big 12 package versus three high, three down defenses. He knew that and did it early on, whether on script or not, in the U of H game, and then stopped in the second half. That's the mystery I'm trying to figure out, really. Well, and, and it could just be as simple as Quinn got hurt. Well, and, and I don't. That's, maybe well, that's that why. wasn't until the fourth quarter. But uh, mm-hmm. I would say this: when, when Houston came alive at down twenty-one nothing, and they got that touchdown on the board, and kind of you know lit, lit a fuse on their, and it brought some emotion to their sidelines. Um, you know, the next drive for Texas started with six minutes to go, and Keelan Robinson brought it all the way out to the forty-five yard line. Texas gained seven yards on first down, then eight, and then ten, and then they bogged down. And this is where you know if you're going to play the you know the, the bracketed coverage and the three high and give away the run, you have to be able to run the ball. And if you go to that, that drive, Texas reached the 30-yard line, shot handoff to Jonathan Brooks, a one-yard gain. Uh, then Jonathan Brooks again, one-yard gain. So your, put, your, your interior D-line was getting pushed back mm-hmm. in those two runs, and that led to the third-down stop, and then that led to the fake field goal, uh, where it looked like Texas was going to go in and score and go up 28-7 because they were moving the ball after the long kick return, and then it bogged down. Uh, and then even in the third quarter when the offense was stalling as Houston was making their comeback, it was – the inability to run the football in the interior. The offensive line in the middle was getting pushed by Houston from these eyes. And then that's what changed in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, same defense they were seeing, even with a backup quarterback, they were able to plow the run game. They were able to push and, and create creases mm-hmm. in the run game for C.J. Baxter and for Jonathan Brooks better in the fourth quarter than they did in the second or third quarter. And, and I agree with you, right? If, you're gonna, if they're going to take away your two top receivers – you shouldn't have Jordan Whittington, a package for him, ready to go. You JT need to have – But you also have to be able to run the ball. You yeah. have to have to win at the line of scrimmage because you have a favorable numbers situation. And uh, they, they can't defend all that. They, I know. There's no they way can't. they should be able they to can't. bracket both of your top receivers they can't. and defend the running game. So, and I said, I, I because they, they closed the game running the football effectively, like you said, he, but they did it out of 11 personnel, one back, one tight ends with JT Sanders. And they did it really effectively. I got, and So I got no problem with that. Um, but I do wonder – if Sark maybe took stopped the six o line package just because he was you know I don't know insecure about their ability to throw the football I'm not really sure why but that really is the antidote for him against the three high three down uh, especially when your interior offensive line may not be as strong you can dominate the edge when you got Malik Ogbo out there so that's that's one of the mysteries of the game that I can't figure out that's that was your most productive offensive personnel grouping in the first half you were averaging over nine yards per play 
out of it in the first half. And it was, it seemed like it was a big part. It wasn't the, the, the first drive, but it was early on in the script because your first two touchdowns, you have these six O-line package out there. As a matter of fact, when they're driving for the Red Cat touchdown, they right before that, the C.J. Baxter run right before that touchdown by Savion Red, it was also the six O-line package. So he knew going in that it was going to be a big part of the game plan, and then for some reason he just decided in the second half he wasn't going to do it. One of those anomalies of Sark's coaching where he finds something that works, does it enough, and then stops doing it all together. Good stuff there from Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. Uh, we're going to take another break. We come back. Your text, 512-447-3776. What was the positive? It could be at Saving Red. That Red Cat offense did look good at a lot of points in that game. What was the positive position group player? What did you find that he was positive in this game? What's your take? What do you want to what do you want to talk about on the show in the six o'clock hour? We got some NFL stuff we're going to talk about. Getting you ready for MLB as well. Astros Rangers giving you up at six thirty. Uh, we'll get to all that when we come back on the Sports Complex on the Horn one hundred one nine AM twelve sixty the Horn app and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Word them up, Ken Dog and Shack Attack in the house for non-train, non-quad. Yo, we from Newark, so you know we representing. Yo, E, bring it in. Do you want me to shoot it? No. Do you want me to pass it? No. Do you want me to slam? Slam. Get out the way, get out the way. Yo, yo, Back in the Sports Complex here on a Monday afternoon on the Horn. Uh, we're playing basketball music all week because the NBA starts tomorrow. A lot more on the NBA the season. We'll get into that. And then the Spurs start, I believe, Wednesday, uh, their game against the Mavs. And we'll get the start of Victor Wimanyama and regular season, the highlight machine that has been in the preseason. We'll get into that. So we're just playing basketball music. So we'll play some Shaq for you, some basketball music. And I agree with the text line. Creed still sucks. So I agree. I'm with you. I'm not playing Creed. That's a morning show thing. That's Ty playing that Creed me. He's a Rangers fan. I'm 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 with you guys. I think it was a terrible pick for them. Play you know play some terrible music like that to try and help their team. What a what a horrible thing. <laughs> the rest of the Rangers I'm okay with. Rangers fans I'm okay with everything. Just the Creed part I'm not a fan. Of. Uh, that game we'll get into some more of that in the six o'clock hour uh, about that big game seven that's happening tonight pregame at six thirty right here on the Horn for that. Uh, we will also get into some NFL talk, uh, some coaches that are on the hot seat, some Monday Night Football talk as well, whatever you guys want to talk about on the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're asking about positive things. If you've got negative things, you got to get them off your chest. Send those in, too. We try to be interactive here. You know you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails, on the text line. Getting to it right now, 512-447-3776. Uh, if they don't call pick plays, why not to do it? Uh, 100%. You also said, uh, I said Texas 31, Houston 23 on Thursday. Yeah, it, it was closer than you wanted it to be. Uh, that, good guess. That was, if you said 31, 23, which I see you did, you had that prediction on Thursday. So you, you're, you're, you got closer than any of us wanted you to be with, uh, 31, 23. Uh, I guess you were just, uh, more field goals than them just being able to put up touchdown after touchdown on Texas, what Houston was able to do and get into the end zone, uh, but yeah, no. If you don't call it, why? Don't you, and that's the thing. I, you know, a lot of teams do it, and it's all about uh, how well you can do it to be able to get it into, get the ball into the position that you need to get it into, uh, to get the ball to where you need it to be, and get get guys to, you know, how can you how can you make it the bumps, and, and how can you get things open and, and get game planning out. All of that is what it takes uh, to get in there. My positive highlight, another texter was. 
the one to get the uh, the one to punch uh, the one to punch of Brooks and Baxter. It was nice to see Baxter play healthy. It was nice to see him uh, be able to come into the game and uh, do some things uh, that were impressive and get that big touchdown. That was good to see. Uh, nothing really. Listener number thirty two says nothing really stood out. Highs and lows on both sides. Happy for the outcome. Uh, there was. I, I will say the red cat, the Savion red, and all of that. I think was a a highlight of it. I will say that I think that was something that stood out was those fourth down plays uh, that they were able to start to go to that and trust that Savion Red package and what he was able to do with it. I think it was a highlight. Uh, we get an Aggie on here. I don't know why the Aggies. It, Aggies, you had a bye week. The best thing for TU so Saturday was a terrible spot Coops got on third down last week uh, on the drive. I, listen, if you're an Aggie and you were complaining about UT ref calls, you are you are really on brand for an Aggie to complain about Texas getting homerism, uh, Texas getting the favorable calls. Look, they, the refs did not they didn't call a lot of stuff all game. I I didn't think the spot was the right thing. I also don't think that means Houston wins the game. I don't know why uh, it was set that way. That the thought that if if Houston gets that first down, game's over, Texas loses. Uh, I think that's kind of a silly assumption to make too. I would have given them the first down if it was me. I I don't know why it wasn't reviewed. I don't know. Uh, what the reasons for that was, but you know what? It is what it is. There were some other bad calls in that game going both ways, uh, but yeah, you're kind of on brand for Nagy right there, uh, which is funny because the next text we get, uh, we did get another text that said, at least you're not A&M. So, you know, it's evening out on the text line. Uh, Oklahoma Greg did say Sabian Red's energy uh, can do whatever he comes in. It's an uplift to the whole team. I agree. I don't know why I didn't mention that. Uh, Worthy uh, is playing very solid this year, even with double coverage. I think Worthy has changed his mindset a lot, and that has been very helpful for Texas, uh, that Worthy has decided to kind of change up what he's doing, that Xavier Worthy has changed up his mindset to be a little less of a me-first wide receiver and need to get the ball, but still being the number one guy. But I think he's changed up his mindset to uh, allow him to be more of a, a positive player on the field and get out there, and even when he is being covered, be able to get out there and, and still get some passes, still be able to get in and, and be useful in ways when even when he is being double covered and bracketed and all that other stuff. And we do get a couple of texters talking about JT Sanders and his seemingly disappearing. I think part of it is the injury. I think he's lose, he's lost some of that explosion in the push. It seems like there's been a lot of plays when he's trying to block. He looks a little bit more down on blocking, which means he's going to get pulled out of the game more because if Sark can't trust you to block, then he's not going to have you in the game in crucial situations. So I think there's something with his injury, uh, with his ankle injury, where he's just not having the power of being able to take a block and be pushed back. So that bump on the line and that getting out and that explosion out of his break, I think it's kind of it just looks like it's not there right now. So I don't know how much injury, but hopefully – you know, another week we'll be able to get a little bit healthier and he'll be able to get a little bit better. And as the season goes on, that explosion will be able to come back. Uh, he'll be back to 100%. But I, that is something a lot of people have mentioned that uh, that he that Sanders has kind of disappeared in the last few games after that injury. And I agree. And it sucks because he is one of those weapons. When you talk about Texas and one of the big things they have going is the amount of weapons. And you'd like to see them use Jordan Whittington more because he is one of those weapons. All of us believe he's one of those weapons. And they use him as a blocker, but as a receiver, when things aren't going your way, maybe try something different, especially in the red zone. I'd like to see it more, but that's, you know, that's me. Uh, we're going to take one more. We're going to take a break. Uh, we come back. 
Uh, we will get into some NFL talk. More of your text, 512-447-3776. Uh, some NFL talk, some people that are on the hot seat. Uh, you know, of course, my man Brandon Staley's on the hot seat after another uh, loss, another game that did not look great. Uh, we'll talk some Monday Night Football, little MLB, get you up for the Rangers at 630, pregame show. All of that coming up on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and at hornfm.com.